everybody. My name is Tony Barnes. I'm a father, husband, realtor with Keller Williams Pinehurst, professional musician, ambassador for Military Foundation, Camp Resilient North Carolina, and corporate leader for Patriot Foundation. I've always been fascinated by people. Everyone I meet, I try to hear as much of their story in whatever brief moment in time we share. Even the most average-seeming human could have a captivating story. This show is about unlocking the stories of the people that I've been fortunate enough to meet and those whose names have positively influenced the communities they serve that maybe I haven't met yet, but can't wait to. This show is simply called More or Less with Tony Barnes. Moore is in Moore County, the beautiful southern North Carolina community that many of us call home. And because some of these stories need to be shared much more. Less, as in less serious, lighthearted conversations with one-of-a-kind humans about how they do more. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, my name is Tony Barnes. We've got executive producer Frank Daniels here. And uh, mm-hmm. our guest this week is Cliff Brown with Teamworks Organization. Um Hey, Cliff, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tony. Good, man. Uh, well, thanks for coming in. We really appreciate it. You do a lot for the local community and, uh, you know, the homeless uh, people in our community. And a lot of people don't really realize how big that, that kind of is, unfortunately, around here. Could you kind of tell us, you know, your thoughts and what you've seen out there um, here about the homeless community? Yeah, thank you, Tony. I started uh, Teamworks back in February of uh, 2019. We officially named it Teamworks Homeless Organization, February the 20th. So that consider that our birth date. Mm-hmm. And um, I had seen a number of homeless in the area, and I think everybody was familiar with what they called the bag man, Darius, around Food Line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd been trying to work with him for a couple of years and a number of others I saw in the area. And just uh, in 2018, trying to get some people together to help with clothing. It was getting cold. And so it sprung from six people meeting on February the 5th, 2019, to about 16 people meeting. And the next week, um, Jamie had put an article in the pilot about his meeting, and we had like 56 people meet at a little church in Pinehurst, and it held about like 46 people. So at that meeting, we discussed my three-page manifesto of why I started Teamworks, and we were trying to name it and come up with something that would be suitable. And we had a number of um, other organizations that had come to see what we were doing and what what our plans were. And as I explained to them, this was God's vision, not mine. It was something that uh, I had seen three times in visions at night that God showed me this transitional advancement center to build for the homeless. And um, so I, I laid it out to them as this is, this is why I'm doing this, because people always ask me, how did you start a homeless organization? And it just, like I said, it was a, a vision to do it. So when I'm out here every day, I keep thinking about this is the direction I'm supposed to follow because when I'm when I ask God on the third time, which first to us I don't have time, and you don't tell God you don't have time. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, I mean, life gets unbearable. Mm-hmm. It really does. You get punished. Mm-hmm. So the third time, He wakes me up at three o'clock in the morning, shows me this beautiful transitional advancement center laid out before me, and I see it there. I see every bit of it. Wow. And I said, "Where are we going to build this?" He said, "Follow the path," and that's what I've been doing every day. And it feels like eight days a week. Uh, there is no break. I mean, the homeless call you at 7 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the morning, and they're looking for a place to go. They're looking for shelter. They're looking where they can park their car if they're in a car. Uh, they're getting run off every two hours when they're out there trying to sleep in their car. There is no place for anybody. And we originally started this for men 
and quickly learn that men come with wives, children, um, you know, I mean, it's, they, they come with a crowd sometimes. I've dealt with uh, families that had 10 kids, and here lately, we're seeing more and more families out here, single women with children. The last three families had four kids apiece, and they ranged, one of them was four months, two years, four years, and five years. So we, uh, we're working with other partner organizations that are trying to help them. But there's just no available housing in Moore County. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. I'm a realtor, and, you know, it, it's sad because I really do see, especially with rent prices now, that, I mean, not just sales of homes, but where, where is everybody else going to live that can't afford to buy a house? Well, they have to rent. And rents are absolutely ridiculous right now. And, you know, it's, I mean, I can't imagine just three years ago when I was first moved back to, to the county and uh, I had my first daughter who was three months old. And, um, you know, I, I was a musician making very little. I mean, you know, and I, I decided to get a two bedroom, one bed uh, condo or not condo, a cottage in Aberdeen. And at that time, it was like nine hundred dollars a month, and I was like, "Okay, we can do this," you know. But now that same one's probably going for thirteen hundred dollars a month, and I mean, not everybody can afford that, you know. Um, I feel like there's going to be more homeless to come, unfortunately, in, in our area and, and everywhere in the country because of what's going on with housing right now. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy, and I don't know how to really fix it, you know. Um, but certainly appreciate everything that you do uh, for our community. I mean, without you, there really is no other other than some government you know, uh, agencies that might help. But you've told me that, that sometimes that they can't quite do as much as what you might be able to do, right? Well, I've met with these agencies. Uh, last week I met with DSS in Carthage and talked to their staff, and we're trying to work together on issues. But I get calls from them to help people. Um, a couple of weeks ago I got a call that they had a, a lady sleeping on the bench in front of their office. Mm-hmm. And so I went down to pick her up, put her in a hotel for a while, and tried to help her get into a treatment program where she could be in a shelter. And um, that's the, basically all we can do right now. I've got uh, uh, 20-some partner organizations I work with, including churches that pitch in, but it seems like there's just not enough resources. And the resources that these other organizations have that are paid organizations, we get no money from grants or CARES Act or anything. It's just strictly donations. And there is no paid staff. Um, the, it, it's, it's apparent that we're, our government is spending money in the wrong places. Mm-hmm. They're not taking care of the people. And one thing I concern, I'm very concerned about is the veterans in this area. We have a number of veterans that are homeless, mm-hmm. and there's um, and it's a growing population. And as I work with a couple of the majors that are dealing with this too, they tell me that it's the PTSD is a major issue among them. And when we build our transitional investment center, there will be a special area for veterans that will be a, they will have their own location in the uh, center, so they can get the treatment they need and build their lives to get back on their feet that's awesome yeah i'm a big advocate to uh, i'm not military nor was i but my parents were air force just for four years that's where they met uh, in montgomery alabama but um just growing up in this area being so close to you know the largest military institution in, in america pretty much you realize as you get older how big of a deal that is and 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 what they sacrifice not just the soldiers but the families and a lot of them do i have several friends that struggle with it every day i mean one in particular that i won't name that i mean he's he's absolutely unfortunately an alcoholic and, and it's bad you know and and he's i'm sure he struggles with so many things that he's seen and done 
in his life, you know. Um, so just being an advocate for them is, is absolutely fantastic. Last week we had Camp Resilient on. Um, I'm an ambassador for them. And, uh, you know, they've been around for about a year and a half now. And, and our goal is to just create, you know, more resilient uh, service members and families by getting them out into, you know, nature and doing things like that where they can just breathe for a second. You know, I think it, and they were talking about it helps a lot when they get back from a deployment to just have a period of time where they can just listen to the to nature and, and not go right back into society like just have a little bit of time to be with their thoughts but also have a support group around them you know um so thank you for doing that you know especially having a separate area for the veterans i think it's probably a good good idea you know just for them to be kind of together with camaraderie and stuff like that so well one of the programs we've got designed to work with that tony i, I have a um uh, he's a lieutenant colonel in the reserves. He's also a psychologist and a pastor, mm-hmm. and he's helping us design the treatment facility. And the plans are, once we get all this built, is the veterans will be helping train support dogs, and we will have an equine program to help deal with mental issues. Mm-hmm. And I've already talked to some resources on that. Um, I think this is where we will see a growth benefit in them, get them out of the woods, Get them into treatment. Get them into stable housing where they've got support around them. And the design of the barracks is going to accommodate their needs. Now, we already know that some of these people may never leave. So we're looking at long-term housing and treatment for some of these people. The others, it's called Transitional Advancement Center. So we want people coming in, getting training, and the um, regular homeless that do come in, they will go through programs for labor skills and learn a trade or get education or get what they need to get on their feet. And with the support of the other organizations, we will get them housing and, and jobs so they can be productive citizens in society and not drawing on society. Mm-hmm. Once we build this, and I've had people say, oh, well, you're just going to draw homeless to Moore County. Once the Transitional Advancement Center is built, Tony, there is no reason for anyone in Moore County to hold a sign asking for food or shelter. That would eliminate it. So we will eliminate homelessness, period, for those that want to get out of the woods and, and be on their feet. Mm-hmm. Now, have you found – this is something I've heard, and maybe I heard it from you, I'm not sure, but um, you know that people – many homeless is kind of a misguided uh, – thought that that homeless just don't want to work or don't want to do anything with lives is it your opinion that actually there's quite many if not a majority that actually do want to work and get back on their feet i mean just in your opinion and your what you've seen yeah what i've seen in the last almost four years is a lot of the homeless want a job they want to get back on their feet people have the impression and i hear this constantly oh they're just drug addicts or they're alcoholics they don't want to work they just beg for food that's not true Mm -hmm. i mean there are a handful out there that that's their lifestyle Mm mm-hmm and they'll probably never change. You can't make everyone do anything. I mean, you can't make them do anything, period. But the people that I'm seeing out here are asking me for jobs and transportation. I keep hearing from some of these studies and surveys that are being done around the area and different groups saying housing is the number one issue. I debate that. that there's a lack of housing. But let's look at it this way. If you don't have transportation to get to a job and a job to earn the money, Housing is way down the line. Mm-hmm. So transportation, in my opinion, is the number one issue. And Moore County does not offer transportation. And that's something I've tried to work with some of the other organizations is can we work building a transportation system or a way to get people to work? Mm-hmm. And the ones that are working have to rely on someone to pick them up 
and sometimes that creates a problem. I had one last year, just an example. He loved his job, was, he was um, working hard, showed up every day. Guy he was working with decided that um, that day he just wasn't going in. And he got fired for it because he didn't show up. He had no idea the guy wasn't coming. He just couldn't go to work. And, you know, when he said, well, look, my ride didn't come. Well, he's, uh, he's the homeless guy. We can let you go. So he got fired for it. Mm. Wow. Gosh, yeah, that's uh, – I, I can kind of see that now. You know, I thought about that, but, yeah, it's kind of – you have to have transportation before you can earn money, really. I mean, unless you live close enough, but then you don't have a house. So how are you going to walk to work, you know? Well, um, we've provided them with bicycles, a number of bicycles out here that we've given to them. And um, May Street Bike has been great to work with. Greg has provided services to fix the bikes for the cost of the parts. And we've given these people bicycles to get to work or get around and do things. And that's been a, a help to a lot of them. They want to have mobility. And trying to find a place to put them as a campsite, that's the, the hard part. People are always asking me, where can I set up a tent You know, without getting into trouble? Mm. Well, th- there is no designated area. So we're... We're going on the good graces of some businesses that allow us to do this, and I have to monitor those very closely to make sure there's nothing going on or they're not violating the business's respect behind it, you know, or doing something that's not um, that would endanger the business as a whole. Mm-hmm. But then everyone's looking at liability. I mean, I can't even use most church areas without getting a insurance policy for us to come in and, and feed a meal or let them to do anything. And I was just told you have to provide a, um, insurance to protect your organization and us uh, coming in here. And I've tried to get places to listen. What about these people that have vehicles that are sleeping in their cars? Can we just park the vehicles at night on the property? And that way I know where to find them. I can get food and stuff to them, and we can protect them so they're not – uh, being harassed because they are constantly harassed out here and people are chasing them off or cussing them or throwing things at them i mean they're they're being treated ugly and these are people that have just lost their jobs the one couple i've got guy was a marine for eight years he and his wife were out of state working come home and his trailer was burnt to the ground no one had told him he lost everything and now his truck's in the shop he can't get it out because he he's having to rely on his uh, boss to pick him up to take him to work and so we got him in a campground and he's trying to find a camper or something to move into now they're hard working they're both good people uh, they're not drug addicts or alcoholics um, and i'm trying to get him into some of the veterans programs so that we can get him help because he's he served several tours and is dealing with some issues and has told me how sometimes he has the nightmares and what he's seen i mean these veterans have seen a lot and they need special help it just it kills me to see somebody out here just doesn't have a place to live when we've got a couple of million immigrants come into the country and we're giving them all these resources and places to stay and food and we can't help our own mm. or won't help our own it's not we can't we just won't yeah and now I'm being told Moore County doesn't have homeless. Come ride with me one day. Mm-hmm. You know, ride around with me and see what I deal with. 
Yeah, I mean, you can see it. I mean, near Walgreens, near Walmart, there's yeah. several. I mean, not, you, you know, you see it, uh, and they're usually they usually keep it themselves, and they're not they're not trying to really bother anybody. I mean, but one thing about that I that I've seen too, and and uh, I won't name his name, but we had lunch mm-hmm. the other day or a month ago with a guy, a friend of mine who's a fantastic musician, and he's been around this town for a long time. But you know, you uh, the mental health is a serious thing, and, and a lot of times being homeless is kind of a direct result of of mental health issues you know i mean you can't at a certain point you you know there's you just it just doesn't doesn't click anymore to how to kind of function in society like normally you know but this person does fantastic i mean he's never harmed anybody to my knowledge he just plays guitar he is most of the time a pretty happy guy and you know so but he just you know, he actually he's in D.C. now. I think he just he left for the last month. Um, but he's usually around Southern Pines, and you can see him. And so, you know, mental health is a big thing. I think for for this. Um, do you know any, any uh, organizations that really help with that? That kind of partner with you that can maybe help on the mental health side? Or that's one of the problems we have in Moore County. Is not enough mental health help. Uh, back in 2019, I met with the board of NAMI, National Alliance of Mental Illness. And they were telling me then when I was explaining how many we were dealing with, and that was in early stages of dealing with this program, uh, I'd say the first five, six months, I was seeing a lot of mental illness that was out there. And they were just telling me we just don't have the resources. So I've got contacts with some of the other uh, organizations that are going to help. A good example is Dalvin Harris that got killed on 15501 by the hit and run. Mm-hmm. Dalvin was someone that I was working with uh, for the past six weeks or so. He just shows up at the camp and he was um, he was such a gentle soul. I mean, just the, the kindest man. Uh, hard to understand. He, he was, his speech pattern was off. You could tell that he was suffering from something. And um, Caring and giving. I mean, he was just uh, yeah, well, always willing to help. He was constantly asking me, is there something I can do to help? And we had just gotten him another tent that day because the storms had destroyed the one he was staying in. And they were going to put it up for him that evening when he was crossing the road and got hit. Now, unfortunately, I had already met with a group out of Lee County that offers some mental health help. And they were going to come in the next week and talk to him and see what they could offer. And it's bad when you've got to go out of county to get resources. But this group had offered to come in and help with it. And they offer other sources. They have a, a doctor that is that goes out and treats some of the homeless in Lee County and helps them make sure they get their maintenance medications and a church there pays for their maintenance medications, make sure they stay on track. And that's something we have a problem with here is a lot of them are on maintenance medications and can't can't get them. Now, I know we have the carefree clinic, but they can't get there or they're dropped because they miss an appointment or uh, and they and they can't afford some of it. I mean, it's seriously, it's like five bucks or something. They sometimes don't have the money for it. So I try to take them out or get them what they need when they need it. But you can't take your blood pressure medicine or your heart medicine every other month. And that's what I was seeing. And it's um we've got to we got to work on that and mental health is a big issue here someone asked me uh, not long ago how many people what's the percentage of mental health do you deal with i would say that of the people i personally deal with out here which is large numbers of them 65 percent are have some really mental health issues that they need therapy for the young lady i was dealing with yesterday 
She grew up in an abusive relationship with her family abusing her, sexually abusing her, mentally abusing her. She had been raped. She was on drugs. And we finally got her into a treatment program. She's leaving this evening. So we're getting her into a detox program and from there to a rehab program. And we're getting her on her feet. And the thing is, she came to me not as a homeless person, which she is, but she came to me as a volunteer. And I didn't know she was actually sleeping on couches and staying with people. And here she is wanting to volunteer and help us. Mm. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I found that same thing with uh, the person we were just talking about. He was, I mean, he was, you know, posting Facebook Live videos when he was playing guitar and, right. and, th- yeah. and say, I just want to help the homeless. And here he is, a homeless person, you know. He, you know, um, but he seems to be, t- you know, taking it pretty well. I mean, he kind of, it, it appears that he kind of is okay out in certain scenarios. But then again, you know, he's now he's in a different city, a big city. And he doesn't know everybody there, you know, and that's the worry is like, I mean, you know, what what could happen? Because you might feel safe and comfortable and okay with what you're doing out there, but you just don't know your surroundings if you're in a, especially if you're in a bigger city. Um, so, yeah, thank you for doing all that. I mean, that's amazing that what you do. I mean, it, it's really is the fact that you've been able to do this every day for four years. Um, it's not a, I see it's definitely not a part time gig for you. It's a full time thing. And, and I hope we can get more volunteers and, and, and get the community kind of aware of what you're doing if they aren't already, which I know a lot, a lot of people know what you do and, and commend you for it. Um, you know, but definitely could you tell us how we could, uh, the community could support you uh, monetarily, volunteering? You know, what kind of things is there a website that you have that they could go to or Facebook to donate? Or? Right. Uh, thank you, Tony. Our Facebook page is T E A M W O R K Z org, O R G, Teamworks org. It's three words. And um, team is together, everyone accomplishes more. And works with a Z. Most people spell it with an X or an S. And that's why they get thrown off. The Z is we stay with you till the end. Mm. And it's designed that way. So you can go to our Facebook page there and follow us. I keep it up pretty regularly. I do need somebody with social uh, skills that will that knows social media uh, mm. to help me out with this. Our website is www.teamworks.org. And uh, T-E-A-M-W-R-K-Z.org, O-R-G. And you can go in there and donate through our uh, secure PayPal link. Or you can send a check to our post office box at 3614 Pinehurst, North Carolina, 28374. And that's um, the easiest way to do it, really, because PayPal takes a percentage. So I ask people if you want to donate to help us where we can use every penny of it to go toward doing what we're doing, uh, meet me and give me a check or donate um, through the mail. Send it. Send us a check. And... Or you can go on. You can do your bank account. I've got one guy that uh, he donates twenty five dollars a month every month through his bank account. He's got it set up through our PayPal to donate every month, and you can you can do that. And we're trying to get Facebook set up so we can do that. Now we did a um, GoFundMe page a while back in honor of Dalvin Harris, and we did the um, the music event down at uh, Neon Rooster. Mm-hmm. And raised a little money there, and Neon Rooster was was really helpful in helping us do that. And uh, Terry Marquez and some others had helped organize that. So I need people that can do the social media, help me build our website, 
uh, enhance it. It really needs some work, I know. Mm-hmm. I'm just not technical enough to do that. And then we, we need volunteers that will come out and help us with fundraisers. We also are getting ready to start our Christmas planning event. In 2019, we fed about 225 people for our, Chris, our first Christmas meal. In 2020, we couldn't feed because of COVID, but we gave away over 500 gifts uh, along with Project Santa, giving away bicycles. And then last year, we did the Christmas at the old fire department in Pine Bluff, the community center there now. And we fed about 450 meals and gave toys to every kid that was there. We gave out probably three or four truckloads of clothing and still had enough toy uh, clothing and food left over that we helped our uh, place of grace in Rockingham, Pastor Gary Richardson's shelter down there. He took a school and turned it into a shelter. So we send a lot of stuff to him. We work with our partner organizations. This year, we're wanting to start early so we can get some donors to help us with feeding. And my goal is a 1,000 people. Now, we want to reach out to those that get meals on wheels. Uh, They don't get them on Christmas, as I understand it. So if we can reach out to those people and provide those meals at the same time, we can reach them and help them and check in on them, make sure they're okay, and help Meals on Wheels with that. So I know there's a process we've got to go through on that, and I'm working on that now. But we're, like I say, we're starting that committee now. So if you're interested in helping with our Christmas event, uh, sign up online, go to our website, www.teamworks.org, fill out the volunteer form, and let me know that you're interested in the Christmas event. We generally have 100, 150 people a year sign up for just Christmas. And they just help at Christmas. Mm. Now, um, as far as donating clothes, like maybe some people can't. Obviously, times are tough. Can't afford you know finances or money donations. But I mean, is there a place to donate um, clothes, clothing, food, stuff like that? Yeah, one of our resources that we're using now, as a matter of fact, it's it's open while we're doing this. Is it's open Tuesdays and Thursdays from twelve to two. It's at Trinity Church on Pennsylvania Avenue. Now, it's under the fellowship hall in the back where the classroom is. The Trinity Church people have been really kind to us and gave us space there that we've got clothing in. So if you come in Pennsylvania and turn on Stevens Street right beside the BP station and turn immediately right behind the BP station, come up the hill, you're right there where we serve um, our people from. And you can donate there or pick up clothing if you have people that need to pick up clothing. And a lot of people we get, I call them the uh, uh, pre-homeless because they have a shelter, but they there's people that are living in a house with no water, no power. They can't afford food. They can't afford clothes for their kids to go to school. And we're seeing those people. And I was basically raised that way myself in Robbins, where we didn't have the necessities we needed. And so I want to give back to these same people. And if we can get them to come out and get the clothing they need for their kids to go to school, or if they need clothing for work, then let's, let's help them too. But come out and get uh, items or drop off items there to Olivia. Olivia runs the center for us. And we also have an area at the Sand Hills Coalition offices on 1500 West Indiana Avenue in Southern Pines. Not the stores, but the office. Now, I've been working with them for uh, a little over a year. And they gave us space there so that we could give out stuff that they, they're not able to because to go through the coalition, you've got to be a Moore County resident. And we don't check IDs. We help whoever needs help. 
So anything that's donated goes right back into the community to help people. We've also provided the Robins um, clothing and shelters, or not? it's not a shelter, it's a um, pantry down there that Kathy Martindale runs. We've given them a number of um, items to use to hand out. And this past week, I think they picked up a van full of clothing to carry down for a giveaway they were doing. So helping the other end of the county, and they need it greatly. I mean, that's the area I came from. I grew up in Robbins, so I know how much the need is there. But we're just trying to help everybody, and we're trying to build more resources. And I want to get more clothing units out across the county so people have access to it. had a lady that drove an hour the other day to get to us. She had to have somebody bring her. She didn't have transportation. So she came an hour, and we opened up. And that's another thing. If you have needs and it's not during our hours, uh, you can call us, and we'll meet you there and, and help you out with it. Okay. Um, so let's see here. Just <clears throat> what is that number? I'm sure it's on your website as well, but just so people can have that. Yeah. Uh, our Teamworks number is 910-315-0262, and that's uh, the Teamworks number. And then we, you can follow us on Facebook, and I post Olivia's number so that you can contact her uh, anytime that you need to get to the clothing. But, yeah, feel free to call us at 910-315-0262. And... Um, if I can't pick up the phone, I'm in a meeting or helping someone, so just leave me a message. And the, the sad part about it, Tony, and uh, Frank, just to answer this, is about um, probably 80% of the people hang up on the answer machine because the first thing you'll hear is, we don't have shelter at this time. Hmm. They won't shelter. They don't care right now as much about the food, the clothing, and the hygiene items we have. They're just looking for a place to stay. And the message will tell you, I don't have shelter. Hmm. And I had a lady call yesterday morning at 7 o'clock that said, look, I was told y'all provide shelter. We don't. I mean, I've paid for hotel rooms during ice storms and inclement weather or emergencies. There's a number of situations where we've had to pay for hotel rooms. And I'll go online and beg for money to help pay for that. And I've had blessings that some donors have come through. And like yourself, Tony, you've helped out with paying for some rooms. Okay. And... Um, it's it's been a blessing that we've been able to do that. The the lady with the four kids, we had her in a hotel for two weeks while we were waiting on um, uh, housing to come available, and then it didn't materialize. So she's still out there moving around from place to place trying to find a place. Mm. There's just the the apartment complexes are telling me that there's like 900 people on the waiting list. So there's two years long, Jeez. and I don't know what to do with people. I mean, it's it's it it really hurts me when. I get a call, and I, and I get about three or four of these a week saying that I've talked to everybody, and they all said to call you. Now, I need housing because this happened. And I tell them, we, we don't have it. And they're crying and telling you that you're their last hope. You're my last hope. What am I going to do? I'm 80 years old. I'm, I'm in, I've got heart trouble. I, I can't, I'm, going, I'm out of my apartment. I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have transportation. What am I to do? And trying to help these people when nobody else is out there available to help. And so I'm, I'm calling and trying to find a place for them. We had a guy the first of the year that was his Social Security wouldn't pay his rent. It went up. So he ends up homeless in the count. We had him out there for about two or three weeks. He had heart trouble. And I think he told me he was 78 years old. 
and he had lost everything when his wife died. And this is a guy that was not a hobo or a drunk or a drug addict. He was the number one salesman in the United States for Saab and had went to Sweden, met the president of the company, receiving an award. And he was, you know, he was somebody in these early days. He was a financial broker and he lost everything. And here he was sleeping on the cold ground and told me, he said, I just I can't sleep like this. I, I'm my heart trouble and my arthritis. And so I got him in the hotel for about a week during that ice storm in January. And I called Pastor Gary down at Place of Grace, and he finally got him a bed down there. And this, this gentleman, Earl, called me three times a week thanking me for getting him a bed, a warm place to stay, and people, and a shower, a bathroom, and food. He said, thank you. This is... You don't know what this means to me. Then Pastor Gary sent me a text that called me. He passed away that night. Mm. So at least he was with people around him and taken care of. Mm. Uh, it's definitely a, a need that we, we absolutely have to have uh, more of in this in this town for sure and probably a lot of other towns in America. Um, but thank you for everything you do. I mean, we can't thank you enough. I mean, it's uh, – you know, hopefully we can get some some more uh, resources for you. Uh, is there um, any local businesses that have been kind of uh, trying to help you out with the transitional complex that you're thinking about, or do we need to ask? Uh, well, on October the 18th, uh, this is something at Petro's, the chili uh, restaurant. Mm -hmm. They called me, and the manager and I have talked. And so on October the 18th, all day long, now, we donate 30% of the proceeds that day to Teamworks to help us out. And we're asking everyone to share this with everybody you know, every social group you're a part of. Uh, at this time, we're going to be looking for food items. And um, we'll have a list of those on our Facebook page of what we're looking for. But mostly it'll be like things for protein, easy-to-open packages, uh, Ziploc bags, something that's not perishable. Mm -hmm. And uh, So, we, like, just to get into that a little bit do you mean like you want people to bring like protein bars or um i mean that's the first thing that comes to mind but like what kind of stuff i'm you said you're gonna have a list i'm just curious well that's yeah that's a it's a um good question some of the and and i deal with this so i kind of assume everybody knows what i'm talking about <laughs> right. you know it's, but no you you're not a mind reader but there is a list and what we normally get or try to hand out is peanut butter it's high okay. protein sure it's easy to eat and it's uh, sustainable and just about everybody i've only found one or two that can't eat peanut butter they have an allergy mm -hmm. uh and then beef jerky Right. Okay. So sometimes I've gotten one or two groups that have donated bags of beef jerky and beef sticks, and that's that's good protein. Now you got to keep you got to keep in mind these people do not eat normal meals and get the protein and the nutrients they need, and they also have a lot of dental issues. So nothing really hard to eat. Uh, I've got one that she's got one tooth in her head. That's it, mm -hmm. and she keeps saying she's gonna pull it out. Uh, I'm gonna pull it out tomorrow, and uh, <laughs> you know she's uh, she's a lovely soul, but um, and she probably will. She'll she'll end up doing it knowing her. <laughs> but um, yeah, I have to be careful what foods I take and things along those lines. Uh, easy open cans with uh, Vienna sausage, which you know I've given out. I had somebody donate a case of those just recently to us, and we gave those out. Uh, sardines. 
things of that nature. Things with the uh, little uh, the yeah. pull tab. Pull open. tab. Yeah. Yeah, because they don't have can openers. Now, I grew up with a P-38, the little military can opener. Mm-hmm. I still carry it on my key ring. My dad brought it back from the, the war, and I've continued to use that myself. So I've opened many a can for them out there. Mm-hmm. But there's, um, there's a list of items. I have a, a list of 50 items that, we don't, that we're looking for. It's not just food items, but it's a list of 50 items that the homeless need. And so I've given that out to organizations, and I've posted it online a number of times. If anybody wants a copy of that, feel free to, to um, call and ask for it or email me at teamworks.director at gmail.com. That's teamworks.director at gmail.com. And I can email you a copy of that or any of our materials or lists. And um, feel free to ask any questions or invite me to speak to your church group, your social group, uh, to share our mission and what we do. Uh, I spend uh, at least one day a week talking to different organizations. I just met with a government organization uh, Friday, and um, they were a job corps, so they were out there helping. We're partnered to find jobs for people. And um, so it's, it's a good base to build upon. You know, we've got a good network. We just have to get, like I said, transportation is number one thing. Get them out there and get them to work. And once we get this transitional investment center, this is the beauty of it. I've had construction companies that have said, oh, I love this idea because you're going to screen these people. Then you're going to train them to be electricians, plumbers, carpenters, uh, mason, you know, whatever. And then we can hire them. I said, exactly. And so, oh, wow, I love this idea because you're really helping us out. That's the purpose. We want to help them get a good job. So we want to train them so that the companies get a qualified person that knows how to drive a nail or lay pipe or do whatever their their interests are. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. The Transitional Advancement Center, we, we, you've spoken about uh, the difficulty finding shelter. Is there going to be shelter? Uh, I know you've spoken about the veterans' space for people that have a little bit maybe higher-touch needs you need uh, to help them more maybe uh as their shelter for people that are just in the homeless cycle and you're trying to skill them uh is there going to be shelter for them only or maybe temporary shelter for somebody who's you know just you've just met or just become homeless can you maybe talk a little bit about what the plans for the um advancement center are well, thank you, Frank. Yeah, I've got a drawing that was um, done by Isaac uh, Gooda, and he he has put down the vision in a beautiful drawing to show you how this is laid out. The compound itself will, according to the architectural design, will encompass about 35 acres. So right now we're looking for a minimum of 50. I want 100 so we have a buffer for the NAMIs, not in my backyard. That has that is what shut down at least 14 organizations in the past. I was told there's um, you you can't build it in city limits. There's no room for it for one, and two they don't want you bringing a homeless community into the city. So we're looking for somewhere outside uh, country area that we can build this thing and keep them safe. So the facility will consist of starting out with 50 tiny homes. And the tiny homes are designed so that they're solar-powered. There will be no water and electric run to them, and this is for three reasons. One is the cost. Two is mobility. Let's look at uh, 
two years down the road after we build it, we decide to add more. So we want to move the cluster into streets like they did in Arizona for the veterans. They started out with 50 tiny homes. Now they have 20 acres of tiny homes. They have a city there for veterans to live in. And I want to model this basically after that. So then you're going to have, and then three is these are tiny homes that are designed to sleep in at night. You're not living there because you've got activities during the day. You're going to be going to school. You're going to be working. You're going to be doing things. So this is a place to lay down at night, and the solar panels will provide enough electricity for a light, charge your phone, run a radio or fan or whatever you need. And the, the, the biggest, the third thing is that we want to be able to replace this unit if it is damaged or whatever. The life uh, line on some of these are seven to nine years, I've been told. And we can move them out, pick them up with a forklift, load it up, and set another one down or build another one. Now, the hub, the main building, will be approximately 28,000 square feet. This will be where the classrooms, the dining room, uh, the uh, bathrooms, the showers, everything will be in this one building. And that's designed so that you have to come together. Isolation is not an option. You're going to be a part of this community. You're going to help. We're going to have gardens. We're going to have livestock. We're going to have orchards. We're going to have a pond. Um, people people that look at this say, oh, where's the pond? We're going to build it if it's not there, you know. <laughs> so we want a pond for recreation, for fishing and boating and uh, swimming and just, you know, just to be able to have some uh, activities going on. We've got an amphitheater built into this plan so that we can have entertainment like Tony come out and perform for us. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have uh, lectures. We're going to – the plans are so extensive, it's hard to get into on here so people will understand. But it will have a emergency housing for natural and man-made disasters. It will be built for housing 50 to 100 people so that when we do have natural disasters in Moore County, that you will be able to come and survive there. We will have it set up so that this is a place you can come and be safe. And the kitchen is set up so that there's cooking stations and you can come in. Let's say Tony is a resident there and his job starts before breakfast that day. Well, he's going to miss breakfast, so he's going to go to his cooking station. He's going to have his own walk-in and everything there. It'll be a community project for each unit and he can fix his breakfast fix his lunch take it to work with him and then if he comes in at night and wants a pbj or something he doesn't interfere with the kitchen operations he can go to his unit and get something and take you know eat uh, whatever he wants then so it's going to be sustainable so that the person has options and you're not forced to live in an institution. That's one thing I want to get away from is institutional living. I worked in a prison, so I don't want to see that kind of image. The tiny homes will look different. They won't be all one structure. We want to break them up into clusters so that each one will offer something different and give you an incentive to move forward through the program. And and transitional, to answer your question, Frank, these are people that are coming in and we will address whatever needs they have to get them back on their feet. And at the end, by the lake, there's cabins for staff, but there's also going to be apartments that will be built just like a regular apartment. It will have all the amenities of a regular apartment so that this person, when they graduate through the program, they can live in there for three to six months to see if they acclimate to living on their own. The problem I was told with ESG and Raleigh is that once they put a homeless person in an apartment, suicide rate went up 
said some of them didn't even know how to operate a microwave, and you throw them into an apartment and leave them. So they're isolated from their tribe that they're used to out there. Now they're alone, and the suicide rate goes up. We're going to eliminate that by giving them a training program there on the compound where they've got support when they need it until we see they're able to sustain their own. They're going to be working. They're going to have their uh, transportation. They'll be able to make it and pay their bills so they don't fall back. And to your point, they'll have people around them that have been through the same thing and can maybe help them in a place where, I mean, you hope that you can do everything for them, but there are certainly going to be some people that might need a little bit more one-on-one help, and there are people there that can help them because they've been through the same thing and they know what they're going through. So I can imagine that would be very helpful. Well, I've got a number of homeless I work with right now that I've showed the plans to, and they go, look, I don't want to come there as a homeless person. I want to come there as a support. I want to work with you. I want to help these people. I've lived this life. I want to be there and help them. It's like an AA, NA, any of the programs. You've got someone that's been through it to help you and hold your hand. Because a lot of these people have never been homeless before. They've lost their lifestyle. They lost jobs during COVID. They've lost their transportation. They've lost their homes. They just want to get back on their feet. They don't know how to live out here. So I'm I'm out here showing people how to set up tents and how to, to take care of themselves. You know, I'm buying them uh, stoves, little camp stoves to cook with or heat with and providing them with the needs of camping in the woods to live and teaching them how to tie up things and how to survive. We have uh, a lot of little things that we do that people would just overlook. First aid. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly having to put together first aid kits and give out because they get hurt. They get scratched or bit or uh, cut, you know, and that's the number one thing. Now, amazing thing, and I've had people ask this during COVID, why, why is it that you were out there with them every day? You know, weren't you afraid? I said, no, none of them ever got sick. Not a one that I ever dealt with got sick. Now, they got hurt doing things, but nobody got sick. I think I had one with a cold one time. That was about it. But it's it's um, it's amazing that uh, everybody else was afraid to be around them. But I was out there every day taking them food and hygiene and uh, giving them fresh clothing or taking them and wash their clothes or take them to shower, uh, do things, you know, and help them. And not a one was sick. That's that's huge. That's a blessing for sure. Um, and uh, so, you know, talking about the businesses and everybody, if you'd like to support, uh, you know, the the, the vision, uh, especially, I, I'm sure, is there a, a monetary number, I guess, that you obviously you have to find the land, but um, is there a goal to get to where you could at least start building this, uh, this vision that you have? Um, Tony, we do have a special fund set up for building, and it is uh, right now we've had uh, one person that has donated twice. And it was uh, uh, not a large amount, but it's it's not a small one either. Mm-hmm. And what we need are some businesses and corporations to get behind it and donate. We're talking hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. to build the facility itself and to do what we need. We're going to need at least five million dollars mm-hmm. to get everything running. And that's um, that's looking at it from the perspective we are right now. Now, if if we can find the land, when we find the land. What I've got to have right now, and I've been looking and looking, so if anybody out there listening today has access to this, I need an architect that can draw out the levels, the uh, phases of building. 
because I've got people that said, I will help you and donate when I see you've got the land and I want to see the building phases and what cost of each phase is. And we will donate to this. One guy has already pledged $1 million. Mm. He said, when I see the building phases and you've got the land, I will put $1 million into your project to help mm. you get started. Wow. And um, I know he's I know he's going to do it because he said he asked his wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. You better ask his wife first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to be in the doghouse for that that kind of money there. So uh. no, she approves. So. <laughs> <That's great. Yeah. laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully, if, if you're out there listening and uh, you have resources or the ability to help in this uh, vision that Cliff with Teamworks Organization is trying to um, trying to create, please you know uh, reach out um, to the, the numbers and the websites that we have discussed already if you want to say those again just for the listeners that just may have joined us um just so they know where to go but um what's the phone number websites right the phone number for teamworks is 910-315-0262 that's 315-0262 and our website is www.teamworks t-e-a-m-w-o-r-k-z dot org o-r-g and the web uh, facebook page is team t-e-a-m capital letters, second word, W-O-R-K-Z, and then org, O-R-G. So you got three words. Teamworks org is on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. Keep up with us. I try to keep it updated as much as possible. People say I talk too much, so I post too much. <laughs> and um, I, I just I, I can't I can't believe that you're going to get what I need to share with you from bullets. Mm-hmm. So take time and read it and share it with everybody. And um, if, if you want to condense it, go ahead and condense it and share it. Mm-hmm. But I'd be glad to uh, meet with anybody that wants to hear more about our mission and what we're doing and what we're building and show you the plans. I mean, it just, it's uh, everybody that has seen these plans have just been blown away. This, this is unreal. I want to be a part of it. And the organizations that are partnering with me now are looking forward to be a part of this. And it's uh, – uh, I mean, it's this is this is huge. It's it's really huge what we're trying to do here. And I, I've told I'm too ambitious. But if you don't shoot big, you're not going to get it. Now we are trying to find something small on the grounds that we can immediately get people into right now. Uh, one of the properties we're looking at is a old church, and we're hoping that we can arrange to buy the church or get it donated and renovate it so that we can have a place for an office to do uh, meals at least once or twice a week there and provide showers. That's something that these people are in need of is they want to go shower, they want to wash their clothes. So if we can set up a facility with laundromat and showers in it, then we can help them greatly. And um, we can run this as the church, as Teamworks Mission Sanctuary, so we're looking at doing that. We also have a couple of uh, pastors that are interested in helping us with this. So if you're out there with the church and want to be a part of this mission that we're trying to develop, let me know. Love to have your help with it and show you the, the plans that we have for it. Also, it's going to be when we build the Transitional Advancement Center, people say, what are you going to do with the first one? Because you're not going to need it. Yeah, it'll be more important than ever because it will be the intake center. So when you come in... You're not going to just drop off someone at the Transitional Advancement Center. We don't know if they're, what their criminal history is or what their addictions are or how dangerous they are. So we want to screen that before they get there. So go to the intake center. That way we can prepare 
and know who we're dealing with, got a background, and see if they need to go to a treatment program first and then put them into the program. And that way we protect everybody else. Because we're going to have families there, a lot of families. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, too. Me being a realtor, you know, I see it. I think Moore County in general just needs more affordable housing. And I think what might be cool would be to, once they get out of that transitionary period, there maybe have phases outside of that that builders actually can build the most economical houses and sell them to these people and get them uh, help financially <clears throat> when they have their their you know feet on the ground again and they're, they've gone through the program and they, they've got a job and they've had a job for six months to a year and hopefully they could get um you know financial assistance to maybe buy an affordable house and maybe different phases outside of the transitionary complex would you know it, it would help the the local economy and the local community to have a, a, a designated space for people that might have more modest homes smaller homes that they could afford and and make them feel part of the community again you know i think there's a lot of room up in the northern side of the county you know especially robbins high falls where it's real rural um i mean there's 35 acres i got listed for sale out there right now that's not you know had a lot of traction yet but i think there's a lot of land left out there that's buildable and you know maybe you could get somebody to even donate some land but we just got to get people on board to 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 be wanting to help this in a, a bigger way i think so well two things there tony you you hit right you, i mean you're dead on to a to the second phase of the, or the end of phase of this as they graduate through the program i've already got discussions i've started discussions uh, a couple of months ago with the developer out of raleigh he was at a meeting i was at heard me talking about the transition investment center and approached me and said look this is what i do i build affordable housing i want to come in and help you so that when they get out they have a place to go now let's talk as we start building this thing now i love the way people say you're doing this and then by the end of the conversation we're doing it mm-hmm. you know we're building this so that's what i want to hear is we mm-hmm. it's it's not me it's not cliff brown's project and so this is um once we get that stage built then they will have a place to go to i mean it's it's going to be a we stay with you till the end the z on the end of works mm-hmm. so we're going to help you get back into society as a productive citizen again have a productive role and actually live and not end back up on the street again and this is this is where the program's going it's going to help everybody i mean look it's going to help the law enforcement it's going to help the communities it's going to help everybody so there is no downside to this and i keep hearing the negatives this and that now there, the negatives are we need more money we need people to get behind this and drive this train so that we can make this happen quicker and, and, and get these people off the streets. I could play you some voicemail that people are crying, looking for help, begging me. Please pray for me. I don't have anywhere to go. I've got a daughter that's so, you know, at this age, and I'm living in my car. And that's not a safe place to be. And we got cold weather coming quick. Yeah, that's true. Definitely appreciate everything you're doing. And if you're listening out there and you can help in any way, uh, you know, even if it's just sharing it on Facebook or on social media, just to get people that might not be aware of what's going on or aware that there's even a, a homeless population in Moore County, I think Cliff and I can both say that there definitely is, and it's a lot bigger Indeed. than you might think. So, yes, yes, um, a lot of people underestimate it. They don't see them out here like they do in the big cities, and the reason is these people are they're embarrassed about being homeless. I mean, I've approached some. I've seen out on the street dragging a, a cart or pulling their luggage, and I, I go up and give them a card and say, look, I'm, I'm here to help you. Do, you. do you need help? Are you homeless? And they've said, no, no, I'm not. And then 45 minutes later, they come back to me and say, 
Yeah, I am. I'm hungry. Can you can you get me something to eat? I haven't eaten in two days. And they're just ashamed to be in that position. And I'm like, sure, let's you know, I'll take them get something. I'll take them to the grocery store and buy them groceries. I don't give anybody money. I just I take them and do for them. I, I'm with them. You know, I go with them and help them. You know, <clears throat> Tony, you mentioned anything anybody can do, and I think one thing that anyone everyone can do is just re-examine how you think about homeless people you know if you if you go by somebody on the street and they look homeless whatever that means you maybe maybe be careful not to judge their situation immediately you know maybe just think about a way i mean i don't know you know just think remember that they could be just homeless they could have just lost their job they could be and have been just maintaining a a lifestyle for any period of time and then one hiccup comes along and next thing they know they can't maintain their rent or they can't buy their next prescription and then all of a sudden they find themselves in a situation where the rest of their life becomes a little bit harder and they end up homeless. You know, I think everyone can keep in mind that homelessness isn't, it isn't their fault. It isn't bad. They're not bad people because they're homeless. And I just think it's important that we remember that. Yeah. You can't judge people uh, by looking at them. I mean, you really can't. There's, um, one of the business owners that I talked to when we were doing our pit count, that's point-in-time count once a year, we started that. It's never been done in Moore County, so we do that once a year nationwide. And I went into this business and asked him, I said, do you have a lot of homeless in here come through here because there's an encampment close by where he was at? I said, I want to leave some flowers and let them know what we're doing so they can participate. And he, whenever the customers left, he said, well, I want to tell you something. I had a heart attack six years ago. And I was in the hospital. My landlord locked me out of my apartment. I didn't get a thing out of my apartment. He took, he took everything. And I slept in my car for six months after I got out of the hospital. And he said, I was so embarrassed that I didn't have a place. I didn't have anything. I would love to have had somebody like you to help me then. He said, but for six months. And he said, I found out. He said, I didn't know there was homeless here. He said, but being out there with them, there's hundreds of them out here that are just like me. They, they're embarrassed to be here, and they won't ask for help. They don't want you to know. But you're out here helping them and giving to them and getting them on their feet. He said, I, I'll do whatever I can to help you. He said, I made it. I got out. You know. He said, I was able with people helping me. So, yeah, I want to do the same thing. So he's been supportive. And he was the one that told me about um, noticing the cardboard behind his shop. This was I, I learned something all the time from people. He noticed that the cardboard boxes he was throwing out had shoes, the, side, the imprint of a shoe cut out of the box. I said, they're making insoles for the shoes. He said, yeah, that's what I thought, too. I said, I never thought about the need for insoles because they're walking a lot. So we were collecting insoles. So that's something that people can always give us, insoles for shoes. And people come into the clothing store, clothing, uh, our, our sharing room, as we call it, and they're looking for shoes boots things to wear because they warm out and we constantly are having to hand out shoes or trying to find some or go buy some and there's um 
there a big need for that. And when we take, and I want to, I want to hit on this too, guys, about the clothing. Please, when you donate clothing to us, make sure it's clean and usable. You know, we don't, we don't want your used clothing that you want to throw away, because we get sometimes we get boxes of clothing that um, we we have to toss it because it is just it's nasty. It looks like the dogs have slept in it and used the bathroom in it, and we get clothing that's ripped up uh, or 40 years old that nobody's going to wear. And we have very limited space, so we're having to go through inventory constantly and change out things, and especially right now with the season. We're trying to get out the uh, winter clothing and put out so we can start getting that out to people. Uh, bedding, things of sheets, pillows, uh, blankets, quilts, uh, sleeping bags, those are things we need. Sleeping mats, tents, camping gear, these are things, uh, matter of fact, I'm supposed to pick up four sleeping bags today from Community Thrift. They call me and they help me out a lot of times over in Pinehurst. So when he gets camping gear in, uh, Mark gives it to us and that helps us with uh, costs. But buying tents, I'm constantly out here trying to find good tents. And that's um, the tents that we see a lot of are tents that you'd buy for your kids to play in the backyard and they get torn up in six weeks. That's not going to survive out here in the storms. And I've got a number of tents right now i got to replace that the storms have just shredded them. So we need good quality all-weather tents that will survive. And we're looking for uh, six-person tents to give them room because they're living in them. And it might be a couple, but they're living in here, so they got to have everything with them. And it's, uh, I've got the pop-up tents for the campers, that, the hikers that are out here. And uh, they work great for those that are mobile and continue to, to keep going. But we do have a transient uh, population here, and they come through, and I might have six in the campsite today, and I might have 15 next week. So it's dealing with the population and keeping, keeping the needs to the manageable levels. Yeah. Well, that's amazing, seriously, what you do. We really appreciate it. And, uh, again, please reach out to Cliff at Teamworks Organization. Um, if you uh, have anything that you could share, you know, monetarily or, um, you know, clothing, food, well, camping gear, whatever it might be, um, you know, please support that. Uh, and we also want to talk a little bit about, since I'm a musician, you know, uh, Cliff also manages a, a Facebook page called uh, Cliff's Calendar of Events, and he's always supported me over the years and every local musician here. So <clears throat> I know he has a good uh, – a good following there so we appreciate you doing that as a musician certainly over the years i'm not a professional anymore but um i mean i i play music for money still but it's uh, i don't you're, have to do it for a living you're, thank, you're thank a professional god. right but you're it's still not, a professional right. thank god i don't have to i mean because i was lucky i mean i you know a little story about mine is I, I i looked into real estate in 2018 but you know thank god i did right before i had built my business up right before the pandemic hit because a lot of my friends in the business music business service industry they struggled mightily for a year or more weren't making any money because nobody was couldn't be out in public you know and that's a musician's job and a service industry job is to have a public to serve you know and and so i thank god every day that i was lucky to be um have real estate which actually took off weirdly during that time you know and i know how fortunate i am so but thank you for always supporting musicians because you know just like i mean musicians they we we people think it's this glorious thing but like i was making a modest income and my modest income was more than probably many musicians at the times modest income were i mean you know 
if we pulled in thirty thousand dollars a year you know that's not including you know cost of speakers and things that break and uh, guitars and travel and gas and you know a car you know because in order you couldn't just although i tried very hard 10 years ago just to stay in southern pines and make a living it's it's probably easier to do now than it was then but i had to travel you know most musicians do and um you know it costs money so we need people constantly supporting you know us and, and sharing you know hey tony's playing here uh, you know, Whiskey Pines is playing here. Go check them out. Or Mary Stone's playing here. So we got a lot of great musicians here in this town now, and and you really support them. So I definitely wanted to mention that and thank you for for doing well, that. Thank you, Tony. I, I started that about uh, uh, it was 2011, I believe it was, when I started that because at the time I was looking for something to do, and my wife had passed away, and I was just looking to just get out, you know, the house and and. Um, there was no you couldn't find any information anywhere so i said well if it's not out there start it so i started posting i started researching the local venues and find a band i'd put it on there and then bands started catching on they started posting their gigs now we have several thousand people on the site i've got um, postings from all over the state uh, we cover basically I, I think i've posted about um just about every major city that has an event We've got something posted with that. I even had a guy from uh, Florida last year ask He emailed me. He said, uh, "Cliff, why aren't you posting my band down here, man?" <laughs> I said, "Well, you're uh, you're in Florida, <laughs> and I don't think any of our people are just going to drop in in Florida, you know." And mm-hmm. He goes, "But we went to school together." And I looked him up, and he was a year behind me in school, <laughs> and uh, he sure didn't look like that then. <laughs> so I didn't know who it was at first, but yeah, we um, he posts stuff on on there, and he says you got followers down here. He said they'll tell me they read it on Cliff's Calendar events and come to my gig. That's awesome. <laughs> so uh, you're everywhere, and I actually got people from two countries that are on there and and email me or message me or once in a while and say god i wish i lived there i'd love to go see that group <laughs> that's awesome well i like about you is you you really just you just go get it i mean you just go do it and you create it if it's not there you do it and i think that's a very um uh, worthy at, attribute and characteristics of, of of you and i think that's the way you know people should strive to do that you know um you don't have to rely on anyone else in your life i mean you need support i'm not saying that but if you want to go after something and some people are inhibited by things that they can't control but try you know you just a lot of people it's amazing how many people people might not even just try they might be afraid of something or you know like for me being a musician i was um i didn't sing at all i was terrified to sing for the majority of my time in nashville when i was with mckenzie's mill i played guitar and I was good at guitar, and I knew I could play guitar, and I felt confident in it. But when it came to singing, I didn't want to touch a microphone because I was scared to death, you know. But then my cousin Matt Barnes, who um, was the reason I started playing music back in my teens, uh, he, you know, he would. He, I just remember seeing him just singing at parties and not even caring and just doing his thing and being himself, and he was good at it, you know. And and he ended up unfortunately passed away several you know, in 2007 in a car accident. And um, so when I was in, that was when I was in Nashville, and I did uh, a tribute. CD form with the producer that I knew over there and I sang two songs and one of them was a Leonard Skinner song called All I Can Do Is Write About It that I that was the first song he ever taught me how to play when we were 14 years old and I sang it on there and I played guitar on it and I put it uh, I, I created a thousand CDs and I gave it to all his closest friends, family, our family, and people were like, "Man, you know, you should sing, Tony. You sound you sound like Matt. You sound good. You should do it." And that's exactly how when I left Nashville 
you know, because I needed to make a living and I was, I was getting broke. And, you know, it's hard to make a living playing music in Nashville unless you travel everywhere. Obviously, there's a million of them. So I came back to North Carolina and at my first gig, I remember my first singing gig. I practiced so hard and learned a bunch of songs. And I played at Easy's Bar and Grill in uh, Olmstead Village that was back in the day. And and so many people showed up to support me and I was nervous as I could possibly be. But I sang that first gig. I made 400 bucks that day at the door and I and, and a light bulb went off in my mind. And I said, I, I got to do this, you know, because I, I, I needed to make money. I was I had debt up to my eyeballs from Nashville and college. <clears throat> and uh, and I just so glad that I forced myself to do that. And I think, you know, he inspired me to do that a little bit. But now, you know, I still get a little nervous singing in front of people. But I'm saying, I mean, that's what I do. You know, I did that for 12 years, five, six nights a week. And mostly by myself. A lot of people, I did it out of necessity to pay bills. And, you know, I love music, but I had to do it to, like, stay afloat. I could have went bankrupt, but that's not how I was. I, I, I paid my enormous credit card bills every month by just playing music. So long story short, I went off a tangent there. But, you know, I think anything that somebody could take away from, from your what you've done in your life and maybe from any of us have done is go out and try it. Don't be a scared. Don't be scared to, to try it. If it's not there, create it. You know, um, this is what I'm doing right now. I've, I'm, I'm a little nervous cause I've never done a radio show or a podcast, but I've always thought, man, what if I want to try it? You know, if I, if I fail, okay, whatever, you know, like I'm used to trying things. And if I, if it doesn't work out, just move on or keep trying harder. Um, so I'm excited about this and I hope that this will, this platform will also just help people that are in need, you know, for what you do to Camp Resilient, the military community. And we're also going to get people on here that are just everyday people, your local bartender who may have been at some bar for 20 years who who's heard all the stories, you know. And, and so that's our goal with this, this uh, show. So thank you for coming on, Cliff. You're a fantastic human, and what you do for the community is, fan, is, really, is really amazing. So, um, Frank, thank you for having us. Uh, uh, is there anything else, last m- m- thing you would like to say, Cliff? Or Tony, I just appreciate you inviting me on today so I can share our Teamworks mission with everyone and let them know a little bit more about it, and uh, hopefully they will want to know more and learn more about what we're doing and get involved. We need the volunteers. We need your support. We need your donations. Uh, most of all, we just need you out there helping us build this so we can make difference in people's lives. We can change the lives. We can make them better. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. We, so please, if you can do anything, reach out to Cliff Brown at Teamworks Organization and, uh, and help us uh, you know, uh, create this vision that, that Cliff has. It's a fantastic vision, and I, think it can, I know it can happen with the, right, with the right support group. So thanks, guys. This is Tony Barnes signing off. Frank, appreciate you always. Thanks, Tony. Yeah. Cliff, Thank thanks a lot. If somebody screams, you know, curse words loudly or whatever. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so. Boulder Dash. <laughs>